Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, Megan, Jesse coming at you live from our uh, second YouTube channel, I suppose. Uh, gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. <laughs> uh, before we jump into the main topic of today, some quick... Is it news? Is it rumor mongering? Is it... I don't know. Look, there, there's some numbers are coming out there. Sounds like the Isles have a seven by seven deal on the table for Nazem Kadri. So that's a thing that people are hearing. <laughs> as AJ jumps into the show as in well. And out. In my, and out. my devices are all on different time zones, so I actually have no idea what time it is anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say that when we were like AJ was just sitting there talking. I, I was yeah. like, I was I was for real gonna go. Does he know what time it is? Because <laughs> there's a legitimate chance he doesn't. Nope. Did not know. Well, um, he managed to make it here. So. so that's why when I sent you that text earlier, I specifically notated mountain time. Yeah. So I, was like, I don't know what time zone he's on. I don't know if he knows. I don't know if his devices know. Yeah, no. My devices know what time zone they're on. I just don't know what time zone they are on. Yeah. <laughs> So right, it's, uh, you know, I'm all over the place. Let's just go back to, to caveman style, all right? From now on, our pod goes live when the sun sets. <laughs> <laughs> right when I mean, the sun reaches its crest, yeah. <laughs> we pod. How, how, many, how many of us had uh, used streetlights as our curfew when we, when we were kids, though? Mm-hmm. That's when you had to be home, when those things came on. If you weren't home, it was beating time. <laughs> See, I said that I had to check in. My mom, I was the youngest, so my mom was always just like, "Yeah, must be know nice." You're not dead. And I oh was, yeah, did you guys have cell phones? <laughs> no, we didn't. But like, so like, I had a bunch of friends in the neighborhood. So like, what you're talking about? When it got dark, you had to go check in. Hey, we're down at this person's house. I'm not kidnapped. No, and then I, I could go back, but had to check in. Didn't have a cell phone till I was a senior in high school, but the subway two blocks from my house really got tired of me using their phone. I guarantee that. <laughs> I think I was a sophomore in high school when I got mine, but it was not like something that I used. Yeah. It's yeah. so I, funny to think about now that I like got a cell phone. I was like, what do I do with it? It, it wasn't yeah. even something that I thought about until I started dating Sarah. Like <laughs> my, uh, my first cell phone, I was in seventh grade, but it was, a. Uh, it was a cast off of my dad's like old work phone. It was a quest mobile and it had 60 minutes of talk (laughs) 
and <laughs> 10 text messages. This is, it was like purely, it, it was a single line, like green screen. And it was, uh, yeah, to keep parents updated. That was it. I, I used to lose my pager at the arcade because we played, yeah. we played yeah. Dance Dance Revolution a lot. <laughs> and that, so my pager would fall out of my pocket. My yeah. beeper would fall out of my pocket playing Dance Dance Revolution. That's officially my favorite thing AJ's ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, pagers are brutal. Like, Nokia 3310s are bad enough, but pagers, way worse. Yeah, those Nokia, those are straight bricks, man. I, I saw, there's there's some YouTube channel out there that dropped one off of a dam, and it was fine. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, you see, they, uh, I don't know if they ever actually released them, but they were supposedly redoing them. Yeah. I saw some uh, news about that, yeah. And, and, like, their whole thing was, like, yeah, we're going to give it, like, some minor upgrades, but, like, we are keeping this thing, like, the way that everyone remembers it. Like, I think they added, like, a color screen. And that's it. Which I'm about. I'm Old electronics were funny that way, man. Yeah. Like, uh, because like now when you drop when you drop your shit, unless there's a protective case on it, you're like that broke. <laughs> but back in back in the day, like I remember uh a buddy of mine like punched his Xbox when he was playing Halo out of anger and it just shut it just broke, right? Shut down, mm-hmm. stopped working completely. Uh, was out of commission, and he was so angry about it because he had just watched a YouTube video the day before of a dude shooting his Xbox, and it was oh. and, it, and it fired up and worked. <laughs> yeah, the guy shot his Xbox, like shot it, and it just fired up no problem and worked. And he had punched his, <laughs> and we spent the entire next day, like eleven hours, driving around Houston trying to get one. Trying to, <laughs> oh, just trying to get one. Yeah, just trying to find a replacement for them because they were now, in high uh, demand back in that time. I'm sorry, you may have denoted this. Was this an original Xbox or like yeah. the 360? Yeah, the original. Dude, I, actually, I actually just gave an original Xbox to my buddy. All I had was the console. I didn't have anything with it. And uh, he's super into like old gaming systems and finding pieces and putting them back together and stuff. So like two days ago, I actually just gave away an original Xbox just sat in. I, I've moved it like three times with no cords. And I was like, I'm done. That was this. my thing, man, is that I'd been moving them Ugh. around all these old yeah. consoles and all these games. And I finally just got rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Have to. I literally gave them to my movers when I moved in January. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, do you want this? And I was like, no. They were like, can we just really have don't. it? And I was like, well, yeah, all you, man. The only I thing that sucked, I, can't, I, I still have my PlayStation controller sitting in my in my office, and I'm like, I don't need this thing. Original PlayStation? No, PlayStation oh. 4. Sick, okay. Uh, I was say because the Simpsons hit and run, I had it on PS2. That game was super. Yeah, I had it on PS2 as well. Um, anyway. Yeah, sorry. in any case, I... The supposed Isles Cadre contract, 7x7, seven seven, it sure seems like the 7 on the years side of that one is the deterrent for most teams, I imagine. Um, that would take uh, Cadre yeah. well into his late 30s at that point. So yep. You're pushing 40 at that point. So, right. so I mean, look, like I, I went on uh, uh, CBS4 All Access with our great friend Romy Bean a few weeks ago. 
Uh, <laughs> several weeks ago, and somehow we're still talking about the same thing I talked about when I was chatting with Romy. But that was exactly it. And that was one of the things I told her. I said, I think one of the reasons why, A, the abs haven't jumped all over to the fact that Kadri's still out there. And B, I think the reason that Kadri's still out there is because I don't think people want to go there with term. Not to take away from anything that Kadri just did, the season he had, the playoffs he had, the goals he scored. Yeah. They were all great. But the dude's 32. He's 32 and he just had his best season ever. Are you really going to pay the highest premium of yeah. basically walking this guy to when he's 40 years old, just about? Um, you know, yeah, good, good for Kadri. Good for him. That he it sounds like he's maybe getting what he set out to get, but boy, oh boy, I, I, I wouldn't have done that if I was a GM or I wouldn't do that. I guess it hasn't been done yet. Okay. <clears throat> Bueller. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. I yeah. I'll love to Naz, uh, but there's a reason that we talked about him leaving as a foregone conclusion. Yep. Uh, because the Avs just couldn't play in those waters. You know, the fact that the fact that I think that they were trying to get into the five, six million dollar range with him and saying, hey, like maybe, right? Like maybe. Uh just you know, the I just think everything came together this last year where we saw the Nazem Kadri that everybody envisioned him being when he was drafted. All the pieces of his game came together uh at the highest level and for an entire season. And you know he put it, he he put together multiple iconic moments in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, he stayed because everybody was like, "Oh, we, we wonder how good that guy will ever be if he could just stay healthy or could he could stay unsuspended in the playoffs." Let's let's see. And pretty good year, pretty good, uh, pretty good showing from him. So uh, I think uh, you know from an Isles perspective, why? But from <laughs> The human perspective, good, good for him. I have, you know, I hope, I hope this ends up being true. Uh, and we'll see, we'll, we'll see what they do. You know, Josh Bailey, Anthony Beauvillier, what they try and do to, uh, you know, to, to get under the gap because they still have uh, contracts for Dobson and uh, Romanov that they have to figure out. By the way, the Isles want to move Beauvillier. <laughs> I, how much does how much does he help? Genuinely, like good player, but where do you put him? Because the one spot in your top six that's open, he doesn't fill. Yeah, but you can put Miko at two C. It's fine. Yeah, I just resigned that Miko's starting the season at two C. Yeah, like just, that's that's your you're taking one of the best right wingers and turn just hoping that he becomes a passable center. How much, this, how much better are you in that this case? Is, this is Stop less that. about Stop. it being good for the abs. I just really like Anthony Pavilion. <laughs> I do too. I just I just don't think he helps the abs very much. Do you, we talked do about you... it yesterday. The difference a year or two can make, especially at this age in a player's career, because I look at how we reacted to Nichushkin's contract and how this isn't so far off from what Nichushkin is going to do in Colorado, but the difference a couple years make, I think, is why the abs are willing to take that risk. And I just wonder at the beginning of free agency if the numbers that Kadri was looking at were far above this and 
the Avs moved on from that number pretty quickly in favor of someone like Nichushkin because of the difference a couple years make. Well, I think they, yep. I think you're right. Like, I think they just kind of stepped back and, you know, Chris McFarland kind of alluded to this on the, the day of free agency where he said, look, we're in touch. We're, <clears throat> excuse me. We are in touch with Kadri's camp. Uh, we've asked him to please keep us in the loop. I think you're hundred percent right, Megan, that they kind of saw the number or the term or whatever. And to the points that you, you and you and AJ have been kind of making here, looked at it and were like, ah, we're not really going to get into those waters, but if nothing materializes for you out there, go ahead and, and circle on back. I just wanted to touch real quick on something that <clears throat> AJ, you were mentioning about this being the cadre that everyone thought we could maybe see hoped that you would maybe see after he got drafted, if he could stay healthy, if he could keep his head on straight. This year was really interesting. I've, I've told the story a bunch of times about watching cadre shift leading up to the Justin fall kit and the blue series now, two years ago um, and how you could feel that one coming in this year. It really did feel like he talked very openly about he plays with the edge. He, he walks the game all the way up to the line this year, it felt like this was, and obviously I wasn't super dialed in on Nazem Kadri's early years in Toronto, but this year felt like the first year where he channeled that energy in a right way, in the right way, um, and and didn't get sucked into a lot of the stuff that normally his emotions and him liking to play that game so close to the edge pushes him over. He seemed like he found a good way to, like I said, channel that energy in a good direction. What I would worry about if I'm a team looking to acquire him, so the Islanders here, is how much of that was a woohoo as I knock my microphone over here with my hand. Um, uh, how much of that was a great moment for the audio only people. (laughs) My microphone almost fell into my lap. Uh, you know, how much of that was a product of this. Very, you know, of the locker room, really solidified leadership, a team, you know, a championship caliber team that's that was on the cusp, that had a very clear goal in mind. And then you have Nazem Kadri going to a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals two years in a row, missed the playoffs last year on a really kind of disastrous season where everything went wrong. What is that locker room like? What role are they asking him to come in and fill? Did he thrive in Colorado because he didn't have to be one of the leading voices and one of the people that everyone's looking at to kind of go fix everything. Um, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And, and to your point, the, 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 you know, AJ, the, the person good for him, happy for him. Good to see him get that money. He said it at the all-star game when I asked him about, you know, free agency and he said, look, I love it in Colorado. I'd love to stay, but I've worked for this opportunity my whole career to get to this point where I get to go onto the open market and get paid what I think I'm worth. So good for him for, for doing that. Um, if we are to believe what, what's kind of being put out there though, um, we talked a lot yesterday about big gambles, right? On contracts. If it's a seven yeah. by seven. Holy smokes. That's some Atlantic city gambling that Lou Lamorello is doing there. It's another I mean, another case of a GM paying for a player at the end of the contract that he won't be around to worry about. <laughs> you're he you're really looking at that contract and going, "Give me three good years, Kadri." 
get me through 35 for you and then deal with the rest of that contract. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I'm just glad he is shipped out east so that I can root for his success and it would have been kind of harder to cheer for him if he was playing out west. So it's kind of best case scenario from my perspective. There's Welcome to the Isle bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I could be convinced. I'm very worried about him though, AJ. Would have been would have been real hard if he put on a Dallas jersey to root for Kadri still. <laughs> would have would have rooted for Kadri when he was out there on his shift. Would have been happy for him. Would not have rooted for any level of team success whatsoever. <laughs> uh just real quick on, on this. Like there's just there's shitty annoying fans everywhere. Yeah, People are always that's... gonna be upset about decisions that players make. Don't let it bother you. Nobody. It sucks. It sucks when people perceive it that way. Where, yeah, they they view it as personal that that Kadri is leaving. But also in any in any job that they have, they Thank would one hundred thousand percent do the exact same thing. Yep. Like if 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 they were getting offered a four year deal by their company for six million dollars per. To stay in Denver, or they were getting offered a seven by seven to yeah. go live in New York. Which one do you think they're going to take? Right. The money is literally double. It's mm-hmm. it is funny how the lack of loyalty never comes up when a team throws a guy on waivers or doesn't yeah. give a guy a QO. It, it's always only the player that gets hit knocked for lack of loyalty. Yeah, and and it's like you know, usually at that point, it's like, well, well, he deserved it. He didn't play well. And everybody's like, "That's the business," and moves on. But a player, a player, absolutely has earned the opportunity to go out and see what somebody is willing to pay him. And if that's what he chooses to prioritize, look, you can you you can't even you can't even get upset that he's picking a, a like an also ran organization. The Islanders were in two conference finals two of the last three years before having like the an all time goofy year. This last year, between injuries, between starting the first six weeks of the season on the road, they never found their footing. Okay, so it's a lost year. Can they get back to it? We'll see. It's a pretty talented hockey team t- still, but you you now also have the you know the added question mark of an unproven NHL head coach, first time coach. We'll see. We'll see how Lane Lambert does there, but. Oh, for Kadri, I think it's I think it's great, and I wish it was official so that we didn't have to keep throwing caveats on this. But it'd be, you know, I I would just like that. I would just like the rest of the market to play out because it yeah. just seems like the entire hockey world went to sleep. Let's get oh, this God. done. Yeah, dude, it's it it is crazy. Like I don't I don't remember it even getting this quiet like in years past. I know there's always been something out there. People have been talking about something. There is nothing going on this year. Well, I mean, arbitration came and went, and the Avs didn't have anything going on, so we weren't plugged into that even a little bit. Yeah. And the arbitration cases around the league weren't particularly interesting. The vast majority of them got resolved before it actually went fully through. Yeah. Yeah. As they always do. Yep. And none of so, them were like super duper high profile, so. right? And at the moment, I mean, how many how many sign uh, unsigned RFAs are there that could be looking like training camp holdouts? Not many. Yeah, it's like the Isles guys. Yeah, basically. 
what's gonna and i don't know maybe there's what's gonna happen with some of these guys are just, like is pk subing and have to get his job through pto uh i mean either a pto or you know two weeks from now when teams yeah, start getting together to skate well you know this uh this actually ties into our topic of the day because we saw last year a couple teams wait to sign guys because of because of cap restrictions. Ooh, Martin Neches. Mm. He's still out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big unsigned one. Dobson, yeah. Jake Ottinger, Kirby Doc. Ottinger isn't done. What yet, position man. does Neches play? Uh center. I'll say, can you get him in here in any way oh, to Jason help Martin count? Of course. I forgot all about Jason Robertson. All right. Well, we are brought to you all by Sexy Pizza. You can go get Ooh. yourself some delicious pizza while watching the NHL world do nothing at sexy.pizza. Go over there, get whatever type of pizza you want. Of course, they have your standard pepperoni, sausage, cheese, whatever you're liking. But they also have their philanthropies, which have various different flavors ranging all over the place, whether it's pesto pizza, they have a white pizza, they have the uh, the ever-popular jalapeno uh, cream cheese, which is my wife's favorite. Uh, but whatever you do, you can get them from Sexy Pizza. They're delicious. The Philanthropies, also a portion of the proceeds, go to projects around Colorado to, to help people out. So be sure to check all that out. Again, Sexy.Pizza to order today. And we're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. So you can get on over there. Use the DNVR code. Actually, not sure. Let's see what the promotion is. They they've been changing it up a lot on me lately. So let's uh let's figure it out. Go look right now. While you're waiting, you on can drafting? go sign up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's I'll say because every time I do the read, I've always got to check because they're yeah. always running new specials. All right, here we go. So just another reason to do it. Right now, if you're a new customer with the DNVR code, you get the risk-free bet up to one thousand dollars. So you can make your first bet. No matter the price, as long as it's less than a thousand dollars, you get your money back if it doesn't hit. So, easy life right there with DraftKings. Jump on it right now today. When you sign up, you can go bet on all sorts of nonsensical stuff or you know reasonable stuff. Whether you want to bet on football or disc golf, either way, they've got you covered. Uh, must be twenty-one or older. Colorado only. Only new customers. Uh, must be. I already said that. Minimum $5 deposit risk-free bet paid out in the form of non-withdrawable free bet token to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Details, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So getting into the actual topic of today. We spent a lot of last year hearing about, talking about how poorly either the NHL refing or the NHL rulebook was constructed and I do want to get into that, but I want to start with the other topic that, look, I'm prefacing this with, I know the owners have no interest in changing this and it's going to continue as is, but it came up so, so often, especially surrounding Vegas, being able to use LTIR to just abuse the salary cap. Would y'all want to see that change or are you okay with it? I'd get rid of LTIR entirely. I think it was a good idea that had good intentions. And the way that it gets abused for players who suffer injuries now sucks. Like, let those guys let those guys retire and go off in their no- in, into the rest of their careers or whatever. 
Like it was a it was a joke when Chris Pronger was hired by the NHL while he still had an still active contract paid. getting traded around. <laughs> like, come on, just let the guy retire. Just let him be done with it. Like insurance is paying out that contract anyway. Um yeah, like you said, I, I think it had good intentions. Uh, but to me, I mean, like, there's there's a couple relatively simple solutions that I think could kind of replace it that wouldn't change things a dramatic amount, and you'd close a bunch of these loopholes. Um, and I don't know, like, like for me, if 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 you really are gonna Just just do a luxury tax at that point. If you're going to make the cap so easy to maneuver around, just do it as a luxury tax the way the NBA does and be done with it. The point of having a salary cap, and I don't remember who it was that was going on this rant last week or two weeks ago. The point of having a salary cap is to have a, a cap. Like, cap it. If, if you have the salary cap, make it apply in all instances. They, they, they remove it for the playoffs so that you can call players up and down I thought they proved out something with the taxi squad a couple of years ago uh, during the, the COVID shortened season. I, I don't know why you can't have eight or nine players within your AHL system that are tagged as part of the taxi squad and they have special uh, salary p- privileges depending on if guys are hurt, whatever, whatever. Um, I, I just... If you're going to have a salary cap, have a salary cap. Okay. I mean, you kind of just made two competing arguments. You just you just said that if you're going to have a cap, have a cap, but also implement a soft cap. Well, no, but it's what they did two years ago. It has, it has nothing to do with soft cap. Because the, the, the LTIR thing is put in place to help teams. If you have long-term injuries, but you're up against a cap, you can get some relief. So my point is, you have a handful of players that are within your organization that if you have a long-term injury, you can call them up and they don't hit your cap the same way because they're already in your organization. You can't have someone injured, then go trade for three guys and then just wait till the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's really, really messy, right? Like they'd have to, do something with its current setup where like, all right, if a guy is on LTIR and you've replaced him, then he can't come back for the playoffs or something. It'd just be really, really hard to do. Yeah. The way I see it most abused is the room in the playoffs to skirt around it. And I wonder if that needs to be something that is resolved. Guys either need to come off LTIR or not eligible for playoffs by regular season's end. And it's not like this is something new either. Like obviously Vegas took it to the extreme, but we saw Tampa do it in one of their cup runs. We saw a decade ago, Chicago do it with Patrick Kane. Or how about this? Just extend the salary cap into the playoffs, into the postseason. Yeah, it would, it would function. Certainly. Um, I, as, and as far as we've heard, all of the owners are more or less fine with allowing teams to abuse it. The players are fine with it, too. Sure. They have so, no motivation. They're still getting paid. They have no motivation to change any of this. So it doesn't sound like there's any imminent changes coming there. 
which is unfortunate. But It's something that fans hate and the league buries its head on and says, that's not a problem. Yep. Tough spot, to say the least. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just, I think it's, from our perspective, it's almost entirely agreed upon that it sucks. Like, LTIR sucks, and uh, the way that it regularly gets abused, I mean, you look at Vegas again right now. They traded for Shea Weber's contract entirely so that they could go over the salary cap. Literally actively looking for LTIR to make their cap work. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay has Brent Seabrook sitting around on their books. Um, I don't know if that thing expired or not, but... They did. Yeah. Had Brent Seabrook sitting around on their books so that they could have this flexibility here. And you're like, oh, you remember remember the year that the Maple Leafs traded for more and more and more of it over the summer so that they could, they could just pile up like $12 million in LTIR so that they could that they could then go out and be like okay cool now we're now we've got this space yeah i i don't know how to fix the problem when the league doesn't want to fix the problem so i don't expect it to get fixed i'll put it that way but i mean if if you're wanting things to say as they are then then the the simplest solution is you just extend the salary cap into the postseason you have to be cap compliant from day 1 through the last day of of the postseason, that's like the easiest blanket solution, right? Because that's what Tampa did a couple seasons ago. Was they literally? I mean, it was very open. Like, yeah, we're just kicking this can all the way to the playoffs. Nikita Kucherov skated for like eight weeks, yeah, leading up to the postseason. Um, so, so like that's that's the easiest way to curb it from people abusing it. Again, like AJ said at the very beginning, what's tough about this is it was put in for like it had it was well intentioned. Hey, there's injuries. This is a long season. This is a physical sport. There's going to be injuries. You're going to need to bring, you know, you're going to need some flexibility. If you're a cap team and you get an injury, we need to give these teams a way to fill out a roster, you know, for, for a game, you know, for a game. But um, that's not really what people are using it for. My favorite part about what Vegas did was how all their fans went out of their way to justify why it was totally legit. And so did they. And then it ended up just biting them in the ass so hard. And the injuries were way worse than what they had thought and tried to force guys back. And it's like, oh, guess you were right. They were pretty bad. I think part of the problem for me is how badly it's been executed. Um, Because I understand some flexibility. But even with the flexibility, we've seen Vegas play games with 16 guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. (laughs) Like, if you can't ice a full NHL roster, you should just forfeit the game. <laughs> like, you messed up too bad. I was going to say, what was so hard about, what was so hard to feel bad about that one was it was 100% their own doing. Right. The like, 16th. they actively stepped into that problem. Right, right. Like, when the Avs had to play with whatever it was, 15, like 15 it, and a, a half, a or whatever that night, like, came right before. There's nothing they right. could do. It's different situations. Yeah. Four guys get ruled out of the game in the hour <laughs> leading up to it. Including the goaltender that it was slated to start all day long. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was a good time. That's different. Uh, you know, they, they, Vegas are just, they were impossible to feel bad for at any point last season because of how hard they tried to abuse all of this. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are examples that I can't think of where these weird rules like have kind of screwed over a team, but 
Um, I don't know. I don't know the perfect solution. I know there is a better way of doing it. Um, but yeah, I, there's no desire from the league to do it on any of the fronts. So what are you going to do? A follow-up. Is there any desire for the league to change any other rules? We've talked quite a bit about things like offside, which they have changed a little bit over the last year. They did add the uh, plane of a blue line, not the, you have to have your foot on the ice type thing. Yeah. I like that one. Um, a a lot of people think there could be significantly larger changes there um the wild inconsistency of penalties gets talked about all the time i mean i'll open the floor whoever megan if you want to start is there any particular rule that just gets in your craw a little bit i don't know if it's a rule or so much a lack of a rule um, and I'm not sure I fleshed out a great solution and people who probably play the game could better speak to what this is. But I look at it like the Kyler Yamamoto and the Landeskog hit. And even like the Gerard, uh, I forget who it was. Was it Barbashev who injured Gerard? Mm-hmm. And the size yep. difference that happens between these players. And if there's room for a rule or just a different way to evaluate clean hits, um, because I don't think anyone's intentions, even Landeskog, who we know is not that type of player, the intention is to injure anybody, but if there's something to be said for personal accountability, um, when there is a clear height difference and executing checks safely. And I don't know if that's something that could be a rule, um, but it is a concern because I feel like even in this last season, we saw a lot of players get pretty injured and it was often clean hits and a size difference between the players like Jacob Truba and even what happened with Jacob McDonald earlier in the season. I don't know if I'm, entering a territory that's been a part of discussion for so long that no one has a clear solution for this problem, but it's something that concerns me a little bit. So when talking about the, the Truba and the McDonald hits, I think I would struggle to find a solution a little bit more, but when you're talking about these other hits, particularly ones along the boards there, I, I would call it a push, but there's been this concept of an idea of when a player is in a dangerous position, just allow the defenseman to bear hug him instead of ramming him into the boards mm-hmm. as a different way. Cause it, it accomplishes the same thing, right? It takes a player entirely out of the play and you've defended them effectively. The, the Gerard one, AJ and I texted about this the night after it happened. I wrote about it a little bit. Um, was that game three? Yeah. The St. Louis series. Um, <clears throat> A lot of those hits that you just listed, they're, they're the toughest ones to grade or judge or whatever. And and the, the Barbashev one, one of the things that AJ and I agreed on straight out, it's a legal hit. By, by your textbook, way the rule is written, it's a legal hit. But to your point, Megan, when you go back and re-watch that play and re-watch that hit and watch the angle that Barbashev takes and the speed he comes in with, it is so, it's so obvious, again, clean hit, that he was going in to, to lay a huge hit and try to crush an opponent that he knew he had the size advantage on, home crowd early in a game, trying to get people engaged. Like It was an unnecessarily violent hit. It's predatory. Predatory, great at, word for at it. At what point does it become targeting, right? Right, yeah. and, and so there's two things there. One, it's funny when you remember that, like the the NHL has a penalty called roughing 
right? But like to me, that's where a penalty like that should have been assessed. When Sam Gerrard went down and was very clearly injured, you have an, a, a natural stoppage in the play. I think the ref should have gotten together. Um, you know, maybe, hey, what did you guys see? Seemed like he came in kind of hard, kind of heavy. Maybe it's a two-minute roughing. But honestly, Megan, I think the best solution for what you're talking about, because I don't think you're wrong, there are these hits that you say, well, that's not a dirty hit, but yeesh, that, that's, that's just kind of dangerous. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a <laughs> – this opens a completely different can of arms, but, you know, maybe there's a <laughs> – separate part of the player safety that they're not meant to suspend. They're not meant to do anything like that, but they just kind of review these hits and maybe the most they can do is dole out a fine. So yeah, you, you delivered a clean hit by the rule book, but we all know that it was dangerous. It was yeah, predatory, whatever you want to use the word. And, and maybe there's a fine associated with it. Cause I think for those hits, it's just so hard to, to deal with in real time. Um, because again, like I remember watching that Barbashev hit in the arena, like, oof, that's a big hit. And then you watch the replay, and it's like, whoa, that's an unnecessary hit. Um, so I, 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 I love that thought. I'm right there with you that there needs to be some type of second look at those types of hits that technically fall under legal. Um, the Jacob McDonald one's another great example. Clean hit. Yikes, that was scary to watch, you know? Um, so I don't know, maybe there's something like that. And then, I, yeah, I don't know, Rudy, you were going to say something, sorry. Yeah, I just, I don't know if this is playing devil's advocate necessarily, but go back to, what was it, game one, game two of the season, where Landy hits Doc while he's down on one knee. Yeah, yep. But he's stick-handling the puck. Yeah, he's yeah. a player who's eligible to be hit at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a fine line to walk. See, and that's one where it's like, cool, if you want to give that guy a fine for 25K the next day, dangerous hit, whatever you want to call it. Eh. You know, cool. That That's just a nice little reminder. Hey, don't be an idiot. Don't go I run just, guys through the wall for no reason. I would be very wary of, on the other side, offensive players intentionally putting, putting themselves in dangerous positions to either draw penalties or avoid getting hit entirely. I'm sorry, repeat that? If you start to implement rules where these borderline hits you're mm -hmm. consistently calling penalties on. I fear you'll get players starting to do dumb things intentionally, yeah. like putting themselves in dangerous situations. We joked about it when it happened with doc, where it was like the new entry should be every four, just going down to one knee across the blue line. And then you can't hit them. And that's Seriously. stupid. They're like obviously stupid, but yeah, I think too, cause that's a good point. Like in doc's case, he is on one knee and that's where this clear height difference comes into play. But I'm talking specifically players who know they're larger players taking some sort of ownership and there being some sort of incentive to take ownership in the fact that they might be a larger player. And if they're coming into a contact with a player who's 5'7", there ha I feel like there has to be some acknowledgement that this is a 5'7 player and not a 5'11 or 6'0 player. And the way that they execute a check should accommodate that to some degree, because at this point in their careers, they're very well, well aware of their size. Same can be said for the smaller players too, but I almost wonder if there is an incentive for those, a way to incentivize those larger players to take a second thought and how they're going to complete that check. It's a fair point to say, if you can't make a clean hit, you shouldn't be making a hit. Yeah. Now, you know, it's how, how, where do you draw the line of, oh, the hit in the head was incidental versus he could have done more to avoid it. Like, 
I, it, yeah. it gets really, really tough. Yeah, I was say that that's a tough one just because again, the game just happens so fast. That's that's a tough thing to you know be implementing a, a type of rule thing. I'm not saying you're wrong in terms of again, I think it just all kind of goes hand in hand. You're you're not trying to eliminate hitting hockey's an inherently violent sport, but you're trying to figure out how do we make this physical a, a contact sport that's competitive, that's fast, that's fun but you're not putting people in, in yeah, these insane positions to get really hurt on, on unnecessary plays. Again, stuff happens to, to me. Honestly, like I look at that Jacob McDonald one, that's one of those ones where as, as horrific as it is to watch. And, and I mean, he was out before he hit the ice as scary as that is. I don't know how you fix that one shy short of taking hitting out of the game and just taking contact out in that one particular instance. Um, I, 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 I like a lot of what your, your point is Megan. And, and I think it's eventually where hockey is going. And I think it's just naturally going that way because there's so much more emphasis in youth hockey around hitting and hitting safely and, you know, the right way to make contact and all that. Um, but yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough because the game moves so much faster than any other sport. Yeah, definitely a tough spot. Really good answer. I, I did not think we were going to get into this conversation today, but that one was really good. Uh, who wants to go next? AJ, do you have any rule changes? Yeah, I mean, I can just get back up on my soapbox and talk about how delay a game is fucking stupid. Nah, always yeah. a good one. Yep. That one's easy to just be an icing. Like, just yeah, the treat it thing. exactly the same as icing. Anybody, the arguments, the two arguments that you always hear uh, against this are, well, but, but, but hockey in the 90s, don't you remember it? I do. Uh, and when at the beginning of the pandemic, when we were streaming on Twitch, the we watched replay. <laughs> The full replays like twice of games. the entire game. Yeah, yeah. We watched we watched the entire conference finals and Stanley Cup finals from '96, and uh, I counted seven instances in two playoff rounds. I counted seven instances of guys throwing the puck out of the play for funsies. Meanwhile, so anytime that ads. somebody asks me, oh, "Do you remember the '90s?" My question is, "Fucking do you?" Because it just didn't happen that often. The flip side is we watched the Avs Oilers series where a team would ice it four faceoffs in a row, <laughs> and it's like and like and and like it's fine. Like if you if you're yeah. doing that, like okay, like win a faceoff and clear a puck and blah 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 blah. But if you treat it the exact same, if you treat if you treat it the exact same as icing, that same situation exists. Yep, it's just not a penalty if a guy is half an inch off. Right. It Why is, should that be a penalty? I would like also, a guy, a guy, a guy purposely firing the puck all the way down the ice, not trying to make any kind of a competitive play. It's not the it's it's the same exact spirit as a guy flipping it up and out of play. Now the other argument is fan safety, and if your question, if you really have that big of an issue with the with fan safety, you just put a net around the entire thing. Yep, it's not that hard. One. I mean the the fan safety thing. I, I don't even think that's 
like in uh, that's not an art. If, if you can tell that a player is deliberately shooting a puck into the stands to like injure a fan, then that's a completely like that's pretty egregious. That's pretty. Well, and, uh, no, it's it's he's not shooting it in there to injure a fan. But if a guy just winds up and takes a slap shot, like the Patrick Nemeth one a couple of years ago <laughs> that went the full length of the ice and ended up with the lay of game. game all time. Yeah. <laughs> Which really drove home how fucking stupid that really, that penalty really is. And that it's the exact same as icing is that the two inches it hit that net, it hit the net and it was fine. Everybody was fine, but that was a penalty. And the and had it been two inches lower, it hits the top of the glass, and it's all good. Well, well no, my my point is like the people that make the fan safety thing like a penalty doesn't change that a penalty or not a penalty. Like that, like if anybody's making that argument for why it should stay a penalty, that's well because the argument is that argument. it would increase the number of pucks that are flying into the crowd, which is increases oh, the danger of the crowd. The, the, the increases the danger that the crowd is in. But as we see, the vast majority of the times, it's literally just guys flipping the puck out. And so again, if it's if it's that big of a concern, you just put a net around the whole thing. You can easily do that. And everybody understands that you just deal with it. I would hate that. Um, so hold on. You said that you watched the 96 playoffs and seven times? Yeah, in two rounds. Oh, Lighty, man, that's more than I thought you were going to say. I, I thought you were going to say seven times in ten games, than once a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that someone's shooting the puck out just for a, like intentionally for a stoppage. I don't know. That's so seven seven times in ten games, and I yeah. I would I even agree. follow up that argument with the fact that today's NHL defensemen have never had more puck skill than they do now. It more was pucks a, what puck skill. Like oh, yeah. back then you had a you had some just these are big large humans who run into people as defensemen yeah. and can't really handle a puck, so just tell them to flip it out. <laughs> these days every modern defenseman is trying to move the puck actively up the ice for you. Yeah. Oh for sure. Uh well, no, and I- again, I think if your argument is is defensemen are more skilled than ever, then the counter argument would be that it's easier for them to flip it up and out over the glass then. Mm-hmm. Because they handle pucks better, but so it why, should stay a penalty. Why would they flip it up when they can maintain possession of the puck? Because that's <laughs> just not always the world that we live in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I'm anyway, my point. My point is, yeah. you treat it exactly like icing. Stop like treating that. it as a game-changing penalty. Like when it was happening in the the only the only real upside of it remaining a penalty is that when you get into the postseason, it's the only thing that you can rely on getting yeah. called. Yeah. And that's actually like, it's almost part of the problem. <laughs> it's a big part go, of the problem. Like, you, you go, that you is go, a legitimate problem. You go, you go these entire games. And again, like I, I know people got mad at the end of the cup final. I thought those last few games were fantastic. Like, I thought those were extremely well officiated games because it was called squarely. Uh, you know, I think it was one penalty for each team in each of the last two games. You know, they let and and it was just you felt you felt like in that two to one game, where the in game six where the Abs win the cup, you're sitting there near the end. You're like, wow, this is all going to get blown on like a delay a game or some stupid shit like that, isn't it? And uh, that I'm fully with you on. Like, you hate to see that. Megan, where do you stand on it as someone who uh, hasn't obsessed over the 90s and actively tracked this? <laughs> when we, when you announced the topic for the show, that was something I was thinking of 
that is too severely penalized. But I think my solution was that whoever hits the puck out of play has to kiss everyone on the other team's bench on the cheek. <laughs> that would eliminate it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't have to go to the box. We're but... about to watch Brad Marchand start doing that on purpose. It's a question I ask people, hockey players, like, why isn't this used as a strategy? Just plant one in the middle of the game. But then there's issues of consent, and I realize it's not a good question. We shouldn't use that as a strategy, but the shock And pathogens. Might be effective. You're right, and germs. <laughs> I, I remember a few years ago, someone, I'm sure someone in the chat will be able to fill in the gaps on this story better than me. There was just like weird, like fungal disease that was going around. Uh, it was like making the news a little bit. And they were saying that it was being passed in sports, but primarily they'd trace it back to hockey rinks because after every beer league game, you go through and do a handshake line. And they were like, yeah, all these, you know, everyone's hands are in their gloves and sweaty and water bottles and all that stuff. And my mom was all freaked out. Oh, my God. Do you shake everybody's hand? Do you leave your glove on? I was like, Mom, it's fine. Well, I'm sure it's fine. It was seven, eight years ago now that, like, the mumps made its way around the NHL. Yeah. 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 Remember that picture of Crosby? Yeah, it looked it looked bad. Thank you, Evan. Trying, trying to tell people it's not the mumps with a giant like lump on the side of his face. <laughs> like, I don't have the mumps. As he's giving his neck is giving birth to a yeah, separate yeah, yeah. creature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great rule change put in by Evan in the chat here. If the puck goes into the net, no matter what, it's off. Let it count. I can understand why they don't want players kicking. You've got blades on your feet. Try and keep them on the ice, please. But otherwise, I'm totally with you. The idea that a puck goes in off your elbow and it's all good. But if it goes in off your glove, it it doesn't count. What? Yeah. Especially because for any of that stuff to even be relevant, the hand, the foot, you know, you have to be in tight to the net. It's got to be a mad scramble anyways where, like, you can't get a stick on it. So I, I've, I've never really understood why they're so weird. Yeah, I, I hear the safety argument for skates on your feet, but yeah. if you're talented enough to punch a puck out of midair into the net, come on. Well, but but like my thing, even with the kicking, like I, I get that in in principle. But like my point is, like nobody's trying to like like drop kick like like drop kick boot one from the red line. You know what I mean? Like you're in tight. Like your your feet are going to be on the ice anyways. Yeah, the, yeah. Sean, the Andrew Shaw. Yeah, the headbutt should have counted just because it was the coolest shit the NHL yeah. had seen in forever. So dope. It was so dope. Uh, yeah, that goes back to what you were talking about with the Kale McCarr one the other night or on like last week's show. I was like, there's been enough super dope calls called back in the NHL. We needed that one that was so borderline offside, but so sick. We needed that for goals everywhere. Love it. Uh, yeah, are, no, that that should absolutely count as a goal. The header, if you can, if you, if you have the if you have the presence of mind to try and head a puck in, dude. Yes. All right. I know you're gonna do reads, but I have I have my rule change after when you're done. Good, good. Well, see, my read is actually kind of a rule. My rule is oh, every no. ref should have to drink five Breck brews before they ref an NHL game. <laughs> it might improve. I just want to see what happens when you get the refs <laughs> hammered and how it goes down. <laughs> Uh, we are brought to you by Breck Brew, the official beer of the NBR. You can get them at your local liquor store anywhere in the United States. 
Check out breckbrew.com for all of their dozens of flavors and a bunch of merch. We're also brought to you by FOCO. You can go to foco.com, F-O-C-O.com to get a bunch of sports memorabilia for all of the major Colorado sports teams. It even includes like CU and the Rapids and all of that. So if you like sports here in Colorado, there's a good chance FOCO has you covered. If you're a bobblehead fan, they got those. I see Jesse has, what are those things called? The like pops? Oh, yeah. Uh, Funko Pops. Funko Pops. Yeah, Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, You know, stuff like that. Of course, they have jerseys, shirts, all of that type of stuff as well. So go check out Foco today. All right, Jesse. Get rid of offsides. Just entirely? Get rid of it. Speed the game way up. Go signed. All right. How about it's blue lines? Instead of getting rid of offsides, what if they made the blue line like three feet wider? Nope. What would that do? Just to give more room for the players to stand further into the zone. Nope. Mm-mm. No, just 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 get rid of it. Because I mean, like the game the, at, at the NHL level, the game is played with so much speed and skill. Like you're not going to have anybody like sending guys to cherry pick. Like you have to have five guys back defending in your own zone. You have to move up ice as a unit. Oh, have you not watched the Rangers play? Because Mika Zibanejad only cherry picks. (laughs) The second that he thinks his team is about to breathe in the vicinity of the puck, that dude's flying the zone. He's got to go. He got places to be. So... But for players like that, like, wouldn't it just be nice? Like, you're still not going to get that much more of an advantage, but it just, it's going to open up the game. It'll increase some scoring. It'll get your north south speed going. I, I hear what I'm you're saying. Do it. And I, like, I'm, I'd be willing to try it, but I'm also worried, like, a strategy would emerge where players just, the game becomes 100% just dumping the puck down the ice to the one player all the way down behind the other team's net. Like the if, one... if, that's, if that's your strategy, you're going to give up a lot of goals because you're just going to play shorthanded in your own zone the whole time. I would say a concern that I would have would be the old guy jumping onto the bench at one end and popping out the the other side. Mm, yeah. And and but okay, on, now yeah. there's now there's a ten foot uh, advantage that they've yeah, gained yeah. for nothing, and the blue line stops that because of where those benches are located. Uh, yeah. And I think that would be a big concern that I would have is that that would be, be that would become a very prevalent strategy where you know they get like like you you get like two a two on two at center ice right and the guy just oh I'm gonna go to the bench and then whoop yeah. guy pops out and all of a sudden that guy's ten feet behind your guy you went from a two on two and now that guy has got a ten foot advantage and you're like what yeah. the fuck man they break, didn't earn break. this. Breakaways and goals are sick. <laughs> so so no, just and, make and, the rubber band change illegal. Great. Or, or, or I mean we're solving problems, baby. I love this. They should honestly do what lacrosse if you if you've ever been to a, a mammoth game or any indoor lacrosse game, they have an actual change like, box, box yeah. on the field. That if you're within this box, it's basically an extension of the bench because they use the same benches that the abs do. It's an extension of the bench. You're just waiting to get over. You're waiting for a door to clear. Put that put that in the NHL. If if you don't have one foot on the line for the change, then that that player, if he's outside of that box, it's it's an illegal change. I I think I, I've always thought 
getting rid of the blue lines would just I, it, it would just open it up so much more. It would be a great like do do like you did with three v three and test that shit in the AHL for a mm-hmm. year, yeah, and see how it goes and yeah. see what the see what strategies emerge, see what the unintended consequences are, see if it accomplishes the goals that you're trying to accomplish, like three v three did. Yeah, I'm but about that I, idea. I think that's. I, I honestly feel like that's potentially a road that you're heading down, anyways. It solves your offside review problem, adds more goals to the game. And it speeds it up. It puts more skill on display. Um, genuinely, I don't know how else you solve the offside review thing. Uh, you get offside rid of review, Look, this was actually going to be my idea, at least partially. And if you're going to review offsides, you get three seconds or 30 seconds, three looks at it at full speed. No slow motion. None of that. Are you talking about the refs or? Yeah, the refs. Mm. The refs get the refs get. Three looks at it, 30 seconds to make a decision. If they can't discern it from that, then the call stands as it was. For for the coaches, it's just implement the rule you already have. The rule yeah. is they have 30 seconds. Just enforce it. Like, that's oh, it. Dude, my thing, for real, put a clock. Put a yep. little a square yeah, totally. clock on the bench. From the minute the goal light goes on, you get a 30-second timer. Give them a 10-second buffer even for the video coaches to get the clip loaded. I don't care. Once that clock hits zero, if you haven't made your call to the ref, sorry, drop the puck. The the and and again. Uh, also, also, it, 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 treat it like touch chess. If you start to if if you if you start to challenge, yeah, once you've committed, you've you committed. can't fucking yeah. change your mind like we yeah. saw at Tampa Bay where they were like, we're challenging that shit, and then they were like, JK, 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 JK. No, if they start to initiate the challenge process, you started it. Well, no, you can't walk that shit back. The one that really like infuriated me was game three, Stanley Cup final in Tampa. Val Nichushkin scores. The refs go over. Tampa made it look like they were going to challenge, then said no. Then right as everyone got lined up, I will, I will never forget yeah, it. Call them back yeah. over. Pat Maroon and Corey Perry jump on the bench and start banging their sticks on the wall to get the ref's attention. And it's like you missed your chance, but it's and over. Yeah. And then if anybody has watched the whatever they the mic'd up thing that they did for the playoffs, the ref is sitting there going, yes or no, answer now. Answer now, yes or no. Answer now. He gives him like 15 you, you seconds. You got to answer now. It's like, okay, now has fucking come and gone. <laughs> answer now or don't or stop saying it. Like, it killed me listening to that. How many times he said, you have to answer right now. It's like, obviously he doesn't. And yeah, just, I mean, you have to make that decision. You just have oh, to. Yeah. I think it's a great rule change. It's just, it really, that's not even like a rule change. It's more of like a just enforce the just shit enforce that you guys have already put just, in place. It's there. Just enforce it. Yeah. Like that's, like, that's an easy one. Just like, come on. I, I think I really do. Like, I genuinely think you have to do one of those two things that you just mentioned, Rudo. You either have to put some type of limit you, you on should do the, both. I think you the, should do both. Well, no, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying with the way that it's currently sitting, you have, you have to do it. It's kind of like the Calgary situation. You'd like to get both done, but you need to get at least one. I just feel like even doing one of those will eliminate 50% of the problems. And then to your point, the other will eliminate the other 50%. Because again, 
going all the way back. AJ and I, I remember talking about this exact topic in the media school. Are you upholding the spirit or the written letter of the law? And I feel like more often than not, the spirit of the rule that you are trying to uphold is completely thrown out the window. And well, the initial intent of the challenge was to stop the obvious ones. The ones like, yeah, that guy was three feet offside. That one can't right. count. It's not to stop the ones that are, he was three millimeters off. Like no one, no one is asking for that one to be stopped. Right. Right. Guys had nothing to do. I mean, the, to rehash old wounds, the, you know, but the Landeskog one, what my biggest issue with the Landeskog San Jose one was that guy was so far, not part of the play. You considered his substitution off the bench, a legal participant in the play. Yep. How in the F, does that constitute his offside? I've just, I've never understood that. There's guys that have nothing to do with the impact of the play that get goals called back. So silly. Yeah. I, I don't know. Megan, any thoughts on this one? Um, I know. Yeah. I'm at peace with it. It aligns with just implementing current rules in place. I haven't decided how I feel about offside. I feel like I need to think about that one more. More so the repercussions. I haven't sat with it long enough that I could blindly say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Get rid of it. But I haven't sat with it long enough to comfortably say as much. All right. The other one topic I did want to get into here is the concept of, of robo refs or not necessarily, necessarily robo refs, but things like puck tracking. Can we just solve the did it, didn't it cross the line thing forever by just putting a microchip in the in pucks? Like, we can, it, yeah. we'll, we can always know where the puck is if we want to. Yeah. Will the pucks cost more? Sure. Did the NHL make $5 billion this year? Yeah. Well, and they put puck tracking in them, on, in them already. Not like a microchip expert here, but I can't imagine there's that big of a cost difference in what they're doing. Just for funsies on the broadcast versus having positive impacts on the game. And don't tell the players. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tell them. They no, see, no I'm, I'm dead serious because the second you tell them, they'll think about it and then they'll be like, the puck feels different. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then when you get three months into it, you'll be like, hey, by the way, these have been chipped the entire right. time and none of you have said shit about it. So now that you know, Nothing has changed. If you try and complain about it now, we're going to know that you're just lying. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, don't tell the players. That's a key to the whole, like, chip, uh, like, putting a tracker inside the puck or whatever. So they are already doing some tracking from cameras. Um, the reason I say microchip is specifically the situation that plays out 50 times every year where the goalie covers a puck and it's like did it cross the line under his glove or not nobody knows think about that think about the goal that the abs got awarded in that wild game where the puck disappeared completely and everybody determined that it went across the line and wild fans were mad because you're like but you can't see it and it was like true but also physics so you (laughs) know that that thing is that thing has crossed the line if you had a tracker if you had a, a, a chip on it you could just see an image of, okay, here's the puck. Mm-hmm. And it's just sitting there, and it's past the goal line. You're able to know where it is the entire time, and you're just like, okay, we're good. So what you, what you could do, 
is, yeah, I mean, you could almost even use the same tracking technology that you have because AJ, I was think I was thinking more complicated, but what you were just laying out, you 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 do a some type of sensor along the backside of the goal line, and then yeah, you just do a tracker in the puck, and you can pull it up, and if it's showing the puck is completely clear digitally of that line, then you know it's in. You don't have to deal with any of this parallax angle or the ice fading or, you know, anything like that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Way less complicated than I was making it in my head. Could also help for an offside review. Yeah. It theoretically should work exactly the same. You could put microchips in the boots or something. Yeah. So the comment there about human refs, no video, I want to be on board with that so bad. I so badly want to be fully, fully in on that. But there are just, especially in a sport like hockey, it just moves too quickly. For There is stuff that is black and white that... That gets missed. Yeah. That gets missed, like, yeah. egregiously. And that's... Look, if you're in a beer league, it's all good. But when you're talking right. about... If you're talking about a professional league with any level of credibility, and you don't just you don't just let that shit happen. Yeah, gam. Talking about how many, how much money is is being poured into sports gambling at this point? You can't you can't just be having incorrect things happen on yeah. a regular basis. And if you were to remove all elements of that, like we're all talking about, hey, I'd like to change this. I'd like to change that. This would be an obvious one. This would be an obvious one. The game's not in a bad spot. I don't think it's in a bad spot, and it feels like. After every time the refs do something inexplicable, it feels like the internet melts down and is like, refing is awful. These people are so brutal at their jobs. But it's like, it's a really hard thing to do. Uh, yeah. The pipeline the pipeline for officials is drying up because nobody wants to do it. Because people always go too far and act a fool when refs make mistakes. And the one thing that some of the replay can and, and some of the video stuff can do is take some of that out. You're not you're not look you're you're okay, there's hard, verifiable, video proof of this is the right call, this is the wrong call, whatever. And as much as I would like referee interviews after games to help increase some of that accountability, yeah. uh, I mean the one thing you don't want is crazy people on the internet going after these people as people. Yeah. And you know that if a guy if a guy blows a call in a Stanley Cup final game that costs them a game, the way that things are these days, you might have a dangerous situation on your hands. I prefer I would prefer to not do that. And so taking some of that off of their plate, I think helps alleviate the pressure of they are the they they are the end all be all judge jury executioner in this situation. If you have tools that can help them out, use them. Well, I think a reality here is NHL refing and every sports refing has always been like this for for all time. It's never been like you can't go back and say, oh, the refing was so much better. No, it wasn't. You just have more tools. You just have HDTV. You can clip any second of a game. You can go back and look at it. And there's just more access to people talking about things like this to where it's become a massive problem. And I believe the refing could be significantly better in the NHL, but I don't think it's any worse than it was 20 years ago. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, no, I agree. So here's, here's always my, 
Martin Natchez, two years, three million a year with the Carolina Hurricanes. So, all right, well, that guy's over, off the board now. Over the course of this show, something we said at the beginning aged out. Um, Aiden just said it. People shit all over officials in every sport, and I get it. I get why. I understand. It is an extremely difficult job. And again, I'm going to say this like the fifth time on this show. I think it's unique to hockey because it moves so fast. Uh, Referees aren't there to enforce the rule book. They're there to manage the game. And yes, a lot of times that involves calling penalties and, and things like that. But again, that's why I said earlier, like I thought those last two games of the cup final were maybe like the two best games of the playoffs. Cause I thought the refs did a good job managing the game. Everyone's managers at work make mistakes. Everyone who's in charge of them, you know, you, you make some mistakes and stuff. Um, this is just kind of a different way of reiterating what AJ was just saying. You have to give them the, the, the right tools and the right procedures to help them manage the game. I think one of the things that you should do is you should pull one of the officials off the ice, two linesmen, one official on the ice, and then put one upstairs who can be watching that from above, isn't down on the ice, you know, hearing all the the chatter back and forth, talking to all the guys. Uh, Again, you know, (laughs) we make a lot of jokes about Tim Peel now on this show for obvious reasons, but you know, he, he, that's a great example of someone who got too caught up in, managing the game and wanting to leave his impact on the game and talking to the guys. And, you know, that audio clip that got out made it sound like he was like making it up to a buddy. Hey, sorry about that penalty. I got you back. This takes one guy off the ice, puts him upstairs. And could we agree that it's insane that the video review is the refs on the ice, looking at a little seven inch iPad (laughs) and and that's what they have to like decided from. Well, it's just weird because I, I thought the original reason why they did that several years ago was because, well, they that way they can get a look, but it's really not up to them. Now there are a lot of those calls. It's like, yeah, it's 100% up to them, and this is a Gen 2 iPad mini. It's yeah. Like, oh, right. <laughs> uh, Megan, should we allow the refs to interview but give them knives? What's the, what's the story here? <laughs> I don't know if I want to arm the refs, but I do like <laughs> the idea of some, not even every single game, but maybe throughout the year, some accountability. Um, media availability through refs and yes the media availability oh my god is that what we were saying no i'm just i'm outwardly agreeing with that because i oh okay i also think my biggest beef is with the department of players safety upholding some semblance of consistency like in game game management things there's definitely some things that could happen that harm player safety but what player safety evaluates after that is yeah. where a lot of real change could actually happen. And I think yeah. that's what harms the players in the game the most. Yeah, that's a great I, point. I, I don't even know where to start with player safety. I, I don't have a solution. It's the total mess right now. <laughs> you can get away with, I mean, technically, you can get away with the it's a hard job. That's why it can be inconsistent thing with on ice officials. Cause you have the argument of the game moves fast. We miss things. Right. The, the wild inconsistency of department of player safety, which to Megan's point earlier is meant to be, you have every angle available to you, you have all the time you could possibly want 
to review it, look at it, look at it again in full speed, in slow-mo, talk to the refs around the ice. And the fact that it is still as inconsistent, forget even what they actually hand out. If they handed out the same like kind of, you know, bullshit rulings, but consistent, consistently, I think people would be fine with it. It's, it's just so all over the place. And I can't find one good reason for why a department that is meant to operate the way that that one is would ever be that inconsistent. It's, it's wild. Yep. Don't really have anything else to add there. Uh, be better NHL player safety. Uh, all right, Jesse, do you want to tell the Tim Peel story? Or are you saving that for like Friday or something? Yeah, I'll hang on to that one for now. All right. You probably <laughs> might get that one at the end of the week, fam. But uh, we're going to wrap this one up. We appreciate all of y'all hanging out with us on the second channel here. We'll be on this channel probably for the rest of the week, unless YouTube wants to get their shit together. Um, but other than that, we appreciate all y'all hanging out with us. And we will talk to you tomorrow.